You know it's funny. People on the outside don't really get what's going on. But they always got something to say. <laughs> yeah. What's going on, folks? This is Daryl, your host of Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey Podcast. The podcast where we discuss issues that impact black and millennial communities while having a good drink. We're here. It's season two. Thanks for letting me take a month off. Um, it wasn't really a decision. I just needed a break. Mental health, self-care, all that. But I'm back with it. Back with some quality content. Great production. Amazing, amazing guests coming up. Done quite a few interviews. But this is the first full episode of season two. So I'm excited to have y'all here with me. I'm going to start this season running it back with a whiskey that I've tried before. Um, Introduced it last season. It was actually my introduction to Japanese whiskey. What a lot of you don't realize is, though this is the Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey podcast, I am in no way, shape, or form an expert of whiskey, of wine. I'm learning just like you all are. I'm trying new things. So when I suggest something, just know it's something that works for my palate. Uh, I'm not up on all of the terminology yet that goes along with wine and whiskey, but I'm learning. So I'm trying to go on this journey with you all. But I would strongly suggest checking out Suntory Whiskey, um, the Toki variety. You can find it at most North Carolina ABC stores. It is it's a golden color. Amazing, amazing whiskey. If you like scotch, it's scotch on a different level. Um, this is my, actually, excuse me, I said this was my introduction to Japanese whiskey. My introduction was the Japanese version of Shiva's Regal. I tried it when I had a layover in Japan four years ago, and I really liked it, but I didn't start to explore Japanese whiskey until I started this podcast, and I would definitely say that the Suntory whiskey is three or four levels higher than the Shivas Regal, just because Shivas Regal is a scotch brand, and this is actual Japanese whiskey. Check it out. I don't think you'll be disappointed, but we all have different palettes. And it's not too expensive. It's not anything that's going to break the bank, but it's a, a solid introduction into that variety of whiskey if you're interested. About to kick it off today. Being that it is 2020, it's September, we're two months away now. When this episode is released, we'll be two months away from the general election date of November 3rd. I want to go ahead and start talking about voting. And I want to talk about voting as a black man or a black person in the United States of America. Not talking as a general American who is dealing with general American problems, um, but talking as a black person who has a black family, who has a black spouse, who will have black children, who has black siblings, black cousins, black aunts and uncles, a black mother, black grandparents that are spread across the United States of America. I want to come to you as a black person telling you that it is the time to bluff. I'm going to jump back in time just to give some context. The Republican Party of the United States of America was founded in a schoolhouse in Wisconsin 
1854 to counter the Democrats' plans to expand slavery in America. President Lincoln, the man who signed the unenforceable Emancipation Proclamation, was a Republican. The 13th Amendment was penned by radical Republicans Charles Sumner and James Ashley. In fact, the first 23 black congressmen were members of the Republican Party. The Republican Party was a powerhouse that took action for black people. There is no denying it. As time went on, things switched. First economically in 1896 with the Democratic Party backing the fiscally liberal William Jennings Bryan as its presidential candidate. But this just points out that liberal doesn't mean liberal in all ways. In 1915, President Woodrow Wilson, also a Democrat, screened the Klansmen at the White House and said that it was history written with lightning. The Klansmen later was renamed the Birth of a Nation and is credited with bringing about the resurgence of the Ku Klux Klan. As a matter of fact, it wasn't until the late 1940s that the Democratic Party took the steps to become the progressive party we see today. And if we're talking about Dixiecrats, which was the southern aspect of the Democrats, they really didn't jump on board until the 1960s, about a decade and a half later. So now we're caught up to the modern era. Black people. Historically, we have not been great at bluffing. and That has cost us the milk we've given away from every election. We've all heard the common saying, if you're giving out the milk for free, why would someone buy the cow? While that saying has been used to support a narrative that says a woman's value is having fewer sexual partners, I really want to repurpose it. Let's talk about it from the perspective of voting, and specifically voting as a black people in America. We never ever make the Democrats buy the cow. Before we were Democrats, we never made the Republicans buy the cow. Sure, both parties have taken major action to advance the plight of black men and women in America. One party freed us from chains, the other pinned equality by way of civil rights. We cannot credit one without the other, but we also have to stop tying ourselves to one party. It's not that simple. I'm not here to do what's best for America. Not at my own expense. I'll do what's best for black America at my own expense, but not America as a whole. The people who say I should look out for the good of all Americans are the people who are benefiting from the promise of America, at least on the surface level. If you check out last season, um, I think it's two episodes from the end, I talked about classism and how that's the true war we should be fighting instead of racism. But um, fr from the outside view, white Americans as a whole are doing better than black Americans. And that's what keeps us fighting against one another as opposed to fighting against the 1%. But you can go back to season one, check that episode out, and you'll get the gist of what I'm saying. Anyway, like I said, I'm not here to do what's best for America at my own expense. Often, white people see themselves as patriotic because their families fought for this nation and have been on the land for generations and they worked themselves up from having little and so on and so forth and that's how they have their comfortable life, right? To them, I say, are bullets purchased by your tax dollars more likely to kill your son than mine? I can also say, has your family always been able to take legal recourse for an employer's failure to pay for a day's work? 
four months work or a year's work or a lifetime's work. Better yet, did the government support the kidnapping and selling of your ancestors from their homes, directly from their beds, from their mothers, from their fathers, and then ship them hundreds of miles across the country? I could go on, but I won't, because at this point, if you don't get it, you'll never get it. In high school, something stuck with me, and since then, I've always wondered how it applies to black people in America. Social contract theory simply states that I agree to support the efforts of the government, and in return, the government provides infrastructure and protection for those in my community. 17th century philosopher John Locke had an interesting take on that theory. Locke said governments exist by the consent of the people in order to protect the rights of the people and promote the public good. Governments that fail to do so can be resisted and replaced with new governments. Black folks, it's bigger than Democrat and Republican. The Democrats pander to us but have no real plan that is focused on us. Yes, they have plans for the poor and the marginalized, but what about us specifically? Black people. What reparations? What legislation against hospitals that don't put measures in place by the end of 2021 to reduce the number of black deaths in the delivery room? What investments in schools where over 75% of the kids are black and brown? What foreign policy specific to infusing money in African nations? America has always had the money to do it. When the Germans killed and locked up millions of Jews in Europe, we wrote a check for reparations for a crime that we did not commit. When America locked up the Japanese for years, it wrote a check. Know what we got from the United States when they used black people as syphilis guinea pigs for 40 years? Somewhere between $17,000 and $25,000 per family, depending on how you do the math. That's not two years of a poverty level salary. It's a slap in the face, and what it is more of is an indication of what the United States government truly thinks of black people. And for those who say slavery was so long ago, I want you to do this right this second. If you're listening on your phone or your computer, type four words into your search bar. Daniel Smith, Washington Post. Hit search. The top three, maybe four articles you get will tell you that we are not that far removed from slavery. Our grandparents should have inherited money from their parents. That should be funding our education and our entrepreneurial dreams. We should have generational wealth. We worked for it. America owes us a check with interest. Make these politicians come to the table with an actionable plan. Many say that black people are committing crimes at higher rates than other races. And while that is true in some instances, it's because many people lack hope. For hundreds of years, we have been told that service jobs are our destiny. All they allow us to do is stay alive, but what's life without living? Democrats need to come to the table with a plan that involves dollars if they want our votes. Getting Trump out is not enough. I need hope. My family needs hope. My cousins, my nephews, my nieces, we all need hope. I'm tired of hearing about Chicago and Baltimore and Durham in the news. I'm sick of seeing black men and black women's names preceded by hashtags. We need an actionable plan for black America. Kamala Harris, you went to Howard, right? 
hire some of their top thinkers to write up something that makes sense. Present it to the people around mid-October. And don't just put out words. Give us dates so we can call and ask why something wasn't done by the date that you promised. Am I bluffing? Am I for real? Will I sit out election day? Don't give me a plan that addresses issues in the black community between now and election day, and I bet you'll see. Because while many people died for us to have the right to vote, they didn't want us to vote as puppets, getting nothing for our support. Give us what you owe, or the beneficiaries of the political process can decide how these elections turn out. That's it. I'm done for today. I appreciate you tuning in for season two. I'll catch you again next week, same time, same place. Peace.